Greetings, everybody. Adding an update uh, to this episode before I release the entire episode, as, uh, of course, there's always updates that happen after you record. And the big news is that Ruben Diaz is uh, basically injured. He's got a hamstring injury. If you don't know about a hamstring injury, those are the three muscles behind your thigh. And uh, it can be very, very painful when uh, you injure it or you, you strain it. And as a result, uh, Manchester City said he'll be out of action four to six weeks, which based on that timeline means he will miss the World Cup playoff against uh, Turkey. This is a very painful injury. You need it to walk. You need it to bend your knee, to go down. Um, It's just not in the right place. It's not the type of injury that you could uh, play through. So this is very disappointing news for Portugal, especially when, you know, we got Nelson Semedo is injured. Uh, we already have uh, some players suspended for that uh, playoff against Turkey with uh, Renato Sanchez and João Cancelo. So uh, even though we have a lot of depth with the national team, like I'll talk about here in this upcoming episode 108, uh, nevertheless, uh, you know, you don't want you want to have everybody available and ready. And in this case... This is a very, very big loss because it could mean he will be missing the entire uh, two matches. Obviously, Portugal has to beat Turkey first to get to that second match. But this is obviously very, very disappointing news. And um, it's one more obstacle that we are going to have to overcome to try to get to the uh, World Cup. So uh, not great news. Not the way I wanted to begin an episode by adding an update. But uh, Ruben Diaz, uh, per the reports, is out of action for four to six weeks. Here we go, episode 108. Bom dia, boa tarde. Welcome to another episode of the PortugueseSoccer.com podcast. I'm your guest host, John Neves, back here again to talk about my favorite subject, your favorite subject, And that is, of course, Portuguese soccer, Portuguese football, whatever word you use in your part of the world. Episode 108. We are in the month of March. In a few weeks, we're going to have the big World Cup playoff. We've got our teams continuing to play in Europe. We've got Liga now continuing to uh, make its way with week 25, 26, and 27 to come. So we've got a lot of football uh, going on. And... um, let me just say, first off, a quick review of last week. Uh, I said it last week, week 24, round 24, was going to be a great weekend. And that's exactly how it played out. I predicted that Maritimo and Sporting would draw. They did. I predicted that Porto and Gil Vicente would draw. They did. Check out last week's episode. If you don't believe me, it's right there. And uh, it was just a great week of football. We saw Benfica. With the exception of that Boa Vista result about two weeks ago, they are really starting to play a little bit uh, better. We saw Braga play Santa Clara to a nil-nil draw. Santa Clara continues to be a great package this season, middle of the pack, which is what a lot of these teams want to be. They don't want to be anywhere near the bottom, but they continue to play well. That was a very good match. Braga, I keep calling them fourth-place Braga because... They are clearly a lot better than all the teams uh, in back of them, but they just don't have a hard time making it to the front. And this is a pretty good example where they dropped some you know, really bad points at home. After that tremendous Europa when, you know, the week before, you know, they've just been inconsistent like that. But fourth place Braga played to a scoreless draw against Santa Clara. 
Uh, we also saw a very good result with Estoril, Boavista, Boavista getting all three points in Estoril. That was a very good match with Boavista. Again, Petit really doing a very good job. I think he's got better players than what he had at BSAT earlier this year. And, you know, even though his team is only in uh, 13th uh, place, um, you know, they are still five above the sixth place team. Um, you know, they're, they're doing okay, but they still have a very long way to go. And they're still scraping it together and getting it going. Uh, but that was a good match. We also saw Passos de Freira go to the Jamor. Uh, they uh, offered the fans uh, free tickets and a bus ride. And uh, they won last Friday night, defeating Bisa 2-0. We saw Familia Kong, man, they're playing really well. They're trying to get it together. They beat Tundela at home. Two to one, uh, that was a very good result. Familia Kong, by the way, had been sitting in 17th place for the longest time. They are now in 11th place. And another win or two, when you take into account that Portimonense hasn't been playing that well, they could even move into the top 10. So a tremendous job with their manager, who's doing a heck of a job. And things are starting to turn around in uh, Familia Kong. So that was a very good result. So we had a very, very good last week of uh, football. And then, of course, we had the Taça de Portugal two-leg, uh, the first leg, uh, Taça de Portugal competition. Of course, the big one that everyone was paying attention to on Wednesday. And that is, of course, Porto going to Alvalade, recording the 2-1 to win, not to mention the very important two away goals. And as a result, they get the uh, win. Of course, there's still a second leg to come next month on April the 19th. And Ruben Amarin has said Hey, they've won in Dragon before. They could do it again. Um, so that really sets up a very interesting second leg. But you have to think that right now Porto is definitely in the driver's seat. You know, I know some people that don't like Sergio Conceição as a manager, but six points in front in first place, playing in the Europa, um, in really a good position. Of course, they still have to play that second leg to advance to the Portuguese Cup final. They're in the stronger position, I will say. And that's uh, some really good things going on in, with uh, Porto. And, you know, back in the fall, I consistently said, because remember, we've got to take into account all competitions. And you've got to take into account everything, not just necessarily the standings. And I did think that back in the, in the fall, um, you know, we're talking October, November, even part of December, Sporting was the best team in Portugal by far, by far. But there's no doubt since then that, um, you know, Porto has clearly been the best team in uh, Portugal. And I had said a few episodes ago, and that's what's great about podcasts, is you could always resort to go back to see if something that somebody says was true. And I did say that I was very curious to see Sporting, how they would deal with the adversity of, instead of being like they were last year in front with everybody chasing them, what would it be like for them doing the chasing? And I think so far, you know, here we are in March, uh, six points behind, but really it's five points because they finished on aggregate with Porto in the two Liga matches, 3-3, and they managed to score two away goals in the Dragon. So they kind of, it's almost like five points because if they finish level, then sport, uh, Sporting has the advantage. But I said, could Sporting overcome not winning all the time and dealing with actual losing? And Amarin even said that, you know, it takes one or two losses and everything could come falling apart. But that's the thing that's been interesting about sporting is I don't believe that uh, they have managed to handle 
some of their recent disappointments as well. There was a lot of disappointment with what their uh, result in uh, Meritimu. And then obviously we also had the uh, situation where at the end of the match, Ruben Amarin went over to Sergio Conceição. Uh, they're friends, they know each other, but uh, Ruben Amarin was a little bit upset thinking that Conceição was basically clapping one of his players, getting a yellow. And that's what's going to happen in the heat of the moment when you're in a stadium with 47,000 feverish fans. Of course, you know, the emotion's going to be running uh, very high. But uh, sporting, um, you know, again, right now is not the best team in Portugal. Right now, based on everything, the whole package, again, that's what the way I judge these things, it has clearly been Porto. But it was a great match. Porto in uh, cruise control. Uh, we had the second other semifinal, and that was Tundela beating Mafra 3-0 at home. Tiago Dantas, the former wonder kid from Benfica, who had the not very successful stint last year with uh, Bayern Munich. He came back, he scored a goal. And Tundela, you know, even though they've got to play a second leg and their manager, Paku, is still going to say, you know, when they play again on April the 20th, that nothing is over. They've got to be very careful. Of course, it's what managers say. You're not going to just say, okay, it's done. When do we book the bus to go to the Jamur in uh, the end of May? Um, but uh, it was uh, it was just a very, very good result for Tunnel, and they are in total control of this uh, tie, and uh, they are very close to making their first appearance ever in a Taça do Portugal final. This is a club that came up um, to the first division like six, seven years ago. Vitor Pineda, a Benfica, great Benfica player in his day in the 90s, uh, helped bring them up, and... Um, this has been a club that, uh, you know, if you remember a few years ago, they barely made it staying. You know, they went down, I think, one year to the final week, and they've managed to uh, survive and stay in the first division. And uh, and now they're reaping uh, the benefits. Even though they have the worst defense in Liga, they are nevertheless a team that's going to be playing, or in the position right now, I'll say, to be playing in the Taça do Portugal final. So based off of the first leg results, the second leg uh, legs won't be played for another uh, six to seven weeks. Uh, uh, basically, Porto Sporting will be played on the 19th of April, and uh, Tundela going to Mafra will take place the following day on April the 20th. So we got a long way to go between here and there, but certainly Porto and uh, Tundela are looking uh, pretty good for uh, two teams from, you know, the north, the center north, uh, to be playing in the Jamord uh, next uh, month. So that was a pretty uh, pretty good week of uh, football. And now, of course, we start to focus on this upcoming uh, weekend, and that is, of course, uh, week 25, round 25. It is not as exciting as last week when you saw all those tremendous uh, matches. In my opinion, that was one of the uh, best, you know, Let's not include a derby. Let's not include a Classico. Let's just include how many good matches there were last week. Last week was great. This week, there's not that many There's not that many matches that jump out at me. At least at me, they don't jump out. I think the best match, uh, and one that's very interesting, is Passos de Ferreira will be playing uh, Porto on uh, Sunday at home. Porto has not lost in the Liga, something like 52 Liga matches without a loss going back to October the 30th. Uh, of uh, 2020. I remember that game. It was, if I recall correctly, it was on a Friday, Halloween weekend, and they lost 3-2. Uh, to two. Uh, Passos would, just did a very good job uh, to uh, beat them. But since then, Porto has not dropped three points in the Liga. They've either won most of their matches or they've uh, had a handful of draws. 
that really is, in my opinion, the real big highlight match of this weekend, simply because this is the last time the place, and of course this has been tweeted out quite a bit, that because of their long 52 match streak, you know, when you go back to the last time they dropped points, it was at Passos de Ferreira, so that's going to be a, a match to see on uh, Sunday. Um, and then, of course, uh, we've got Santa Clara at home to Vizela. Uh, that's a very good match. Santa Clara, again, just such a very good mid-table team this year. Sporting will be at home to Aroca. Uh, Aroca is uh, it's 15th place, not having a great year. If you're sporting and you want to bounce back from a draw against Meritimu and a loss at home to Porto in the Taça de Portugal, this is what you want. You want one of the teams in the bottom four, uh, four five, six teams to come play you in Alvalade, and that's what Sporting gets to kind of try to turn things around hosting Aroca. Benfica will be making the trip to Portimão to take on Portimonense. Portimonense is not the same team they were six or seven weeks ago when they were battling for uh, fifth place. Um, they're kind of, uh, right now they're in ninth place, but it just doesn't feel like they're playing as well as they did two months ago. But that's a very good match. That's also your RTP international match, in case you wondered. Uh, Portimonense at home uh, to Benfica. Benfica doesn't have a lot of great memories in uh, Portimonense. Of course, uh, Rui Vitoria's last ma match managed was a disappointing result in uh, Portimonense. So the, uh, that's going to be a match, and that will be taking place on uh, Saturday. Uh, Boa Vista, this is a good match too. Uh, in my opinion, the second best match after uh, Pasco da Freira, Porto, and that's, of course, Boa Vista, Braga. Braga, again, put together good results, but then they come back and disappoint you. Uh, Boa Vista, again, having a decent season under Petit. So these are a battle of uh, two teams. If you've ever been to Estadio da Vesa, I have been there many times. Um, you take the bus, and then you've got to walk a few blocks. Uh, it's such a beautiful stadium. I remember many years ago going to see them play Celtic in that stadium back in, I think it was, I'm trying to remember, I think it was 02 or 03. Um, so many Scottish fans were at that match. It, you know, it was just it was just great. And, uh, you know, Boa Vista has this little stadium, and uh, it's just a really nice fit. Very cozy stadium. The fans are really right on top of you. But it's also one of those stadiums that is easy to get to, and when they're not winning, you could sit anywhere you want, basically. I mean, you could literally sit anywhere you want. And I think that that is, uh, you know, one of the interesting matches for this weekend. Uh, the week will begin uh, with Gilles Vicente, fifth place Gilles Vicente. They've only lost once in their last 15 matches. Very impressive result, uh, Ricardo Suarez going into the Dragon and getting the draw. Uh, this has clearly been the fifth best team in Portugal, but because they've been playing so well lately, can they catch up to Porto, excuse me, to Braga, who's only four points ahead of them? Well, I have to tell you, if Braga continues to be inconsistent the way they are, I don't see any reason why Gil Vicente couldn't catch up to them. And that is a very, very big match. So Friday, Gil Vicente will be at home playing Estoril. Estoril, again, as I keep saying, they continue to be a team going uh, the other way. But Gil Vicente, Estoril will kick things off on uh, Friday night. So Friday night, Gil, Gil Vicente, Estoril. Saturday, Boa Vista, Braga, Portimonets, Benfica, Sporting, Aroca. Those are your three matches for your, uh, hopefully, a great uh, Saturday for you. Sunday, we've got four matches. Obviously, the big one, Passos de Ferreira, Porto. You got Guimarães at home and a pair of uh, northern teams playing Familia Cone. That's a very good match. 
a lot of emotion in that match. The fans are going to be really into it. Santa Clara at home to Vizela. And then action pretty much winds up on uh, Monday. Tundela will be at home to Bisad. Of course, Tundela playing on Thursday night, so they're going to be playing on Monday. And that will wrap up the week of round 25, week 25. And then next Wednesday, European football returns. It'll get started at 17.45 time in Portugal uh, with uh, the Europa League. That's right, Porto's going to be playing the Europa League on Wednesday. Part of it is because Braga is also playing at home against Monaco. And my understanding of the UEFA rules is you're not allowed to be playing or you're not allowed to have two matches within the same 50-mile, 50-kilometer. Uh, I'm not really sure specifically whatever it is, the specifics. But basically, you can't have two um, you know, matches within uh, the same region and the same night. So as a result, Porto is going to be taking place on Wednesday night. Uh, they will be home against Lyon of France. Uh, Olympic Lyon, Porto's had a lot of success against them. Um, this is a result because Porto will be playing in the Dragon. They'll probably have 40,000 fans. This is a competition that Porto could win the Europa League. Um, you know, they if they play their best players and they manage to keep the lead they have in Portugal, I'd be curious to see, you know, if uh, Sergio Conceição is always going to be taking this seriously. And I say that because if you've been following Portugal as long as I have for a long time, you know, sometimes when you get to later on in the season. Uh, sometimes, you know, in certain positions, you see players come in like it worked with Tony against Lazio. But as you start to get deeper and deeper into this competition, it's going to get a little bit more difficult. But uh, that is nevertheless a very good match uh, next Wednesday with uh, Porto Leon at home. And I think for me, uh, you know, I'll, I'll, I'm going to do my picks here in a few minutes. I usually don't do the European picks. But Porto seems to be the type of team that when they hit the road, especially for the second leg, I've noticed, they always seem to get the result they want. It's like you, if you want to play Porto, um, you almost don't want Porto to be coming to you as the second leg team because they have managed these last few years with Conceição as Juventus to, they score the big goals. They don't, uh, you know, they don't uh, just crash out. I mean, look, it was a disappointing, by the way, it was at home result against Atletico, but Porto, when they seem to go on the road and they have their backs against the walls, they see, just seem to be a better, stronger team. And uh, the fact that they have that second leg against Lyon and the fact they have a great history against Lyon, this is definitely a possibility uh, for Porto. So we'll see if they take it seriously. You've got, of course, next Thursday, uh, you, of course, will have, uh, you know, uh, well, actually, let me stay on Wednesday, excuse me. Then, of course, you're going to have Sporting, uh, they'll be going to uh, City. Uh, first leg, of course, as you know, was a very ugly 5-0 uh, uh, loss. Uh, you know, what are you going to see? You're going to see, what's Ruben Amarin going to say? Well, of course, what is he going to say? He's going to say they're going to go there. They're going to represent a big club like Sporting. They're going to go there to uh, get up, you know, to win. They're going to go there to redeem themselves, to bring the, the, uh, the respect back. Uh, to sporting, and they're also going to go there to show that even though every once in a while they seem to have these just bad European losses, Viking, Ajax, City, and I realize we're talking about three different levels there, um, you know, they want to show that even though they've had, you know, they've been such a great team with Ruben Amarin, but they've had some really bad home results that perhaps they can go to 
one of the premier stadiums, you know, we're talking about one of the best teams in the Premier League, and for a lot of these players, you know, can they go there and not only just show themselves off for any future people that want to see how they play against a big club, but can they redeem themselves? And that will also be taking place uh, next Wednesday. So that's why Porto's playing at 1745, because no one messes with the Champions League time slot, and, and that will be the, uh, you know, the match at 2000 hours with uh, Sporting again, going to City. And uh, again, it's an uphill battle. I think if you're Sporting, you're just going there to get to draw, to bring some uh, respect um, because uh, there's really nothing else to play for. City may not necessarily play their best players, so maybe this helps you in getting a better result. Um, you know, obviously City wants to play. They, you know, even though it's in your best interest not to play your best players so they don't get hurt, you also want the players to have that continuity and to continue to be uh, playing a certain amount every day because at this time of the year when you're a big club, you're literally playing almost twice a week and you have to maintain that rhythm and sometimes you don't want to knock a player's momentum off and sit him down and then he comes back and he's just not the same. I I've seen that happen a lot. Uh, but anyway, that's going to be next Wednesday. Europa, Porto at home to Lyon. Uh, Sporting will be going uh, to play at Manchester City. And then Thursday, uh, we're going to have... Uh, basically, Braga playing at home to Monaco and Gelsen Martins. Uh, again, a very good draw. I'm sure that Monaco is very happy to get Braga, but if I'm Braga, I'm very happy to get Monaco. A very good, I think this is uh, maybe 55% advantage to Monaco to win, 45% for, uh, you know, for Braga. But this is definitely a very winnable match and definitely a match where I think Braga could uh, get through. Um, I don't think it's... The, the degree of difficulty of all the teams you could have drawn, I don't think this is very difficult. I think the same thing way with uh, Porto Leon. I think it's 50-50. Um, maybe, I don't know, maybe 51% Porto, 49% Leon, because uh, I just think Porto plays so much better in that second leg. But I just think that uh, Braga, I, I think they have a shot here. So we'll see. So next week... Uh, we've got European football uh, midweek, and, uh, you know, that's the way it is. And, and, by the way, this is great for us football, soccer fans. You know, we've got action on the weekend. We've got more matches during the week. So we literally have everything going on on an average of uh, twice a uh, week. Uh, and then once we get to uh, basically next weekend, and that is, of course, round 26. And when I kind of scan it, uh, Benfica will get, get, will get things going next Friday at home to Vizela. And, of course... That's because the following week on the 15th, Benfica will be going to Ajax. 2-2 uh, result in the first leg in the Luge, and they'll be going to Amsterdam. A sold-out Amsterdam has already been uh, official, so they're going to be playing in front of a very uh, big crowd. But again, if you're Benfica, whether you play in front of 10 fans or 50,000, it doesn't matter. These guys are very used to playing in front of a big crowd. Uh, next week, looking at the very interesting matches, you got a Familia Kong Santa Clara. I think that's a very good match based on the trajectory of those two teams. Two of the teams that I think have been dropping off a lot, Estoril, Portimonense, play each other next weekend. Um, you've got uh, Bisad at home to Boavista. So you've got Petit going to play against his former club, Bisad. And uh, there's no doubt Boavista is in a much better place right now. And he's in a much better managerial place than uh, Bisad, which... Uh, is in really serious trouble and all the way in the uh, bottom. And then, of course, you have uh, Porto and Tundela playing next week. Maybe a potential uh, preview of the Taça de Portugal and Jumor. You got Braga, Gil Vicente next week. That is, hands down, the best match next week. 
And I'm glad that that's also the uh, Sunday night match that they didn't put Porto and Tudela playing last because usually they put the big clubs playing, you know, the last game of the night. But that is Braga Gil Vicente. I mean, that is, you know, for fourth place. Uh, circle next Sunday. And if you got the chance, watch that game because we are a league dominated by three teams. But we are also a league that has some pretty good fourth, fifth, sixth place teams. And now we're going to have fourth and fifth place playing each other next week. So that is a very, very good match. And I think, uh, you know, I'm really looking forward to that. And then everything kind of wraps up on uh, Monday. More Dance will be at home uh, to Sporting. Uh, More Dance, of course, uh, struggling in 17th place toward the bottom. Um, whereas sporting, of course, again, if you're sporting and you want to find the right thing to do to get overcome some bad results, well, that's to play as many teams that are at the bottom. So after playing Roca, they'll now, who's in 15th place, next week they'll be taking on Morenense in uh, 17th place. And uh, obviously uh, not going to be as difficult as City, uh, but obviously that's uh, three points. And remember the other thing I told you about sporting. Sporting is six points behind Porto, but sporting has the tiebreaker with the two away goals. Uh, in their 3-3 three three aggregate after the two matches. So, you know, sport. there's still a lot to play for. You know, there's still a lot to play for, and that's the reason why when I think about Porto playing in the Europa League later on and, you know, things get a little bit tighter, um, whether or not sporting has a chance, only if, you know, Conceição isn't going to field the best players in the Europa because he's so much worried about what's going on domestically. And that's just something we have to accept you know, with our uh, Portuguese football. So that pretty much is uh, going to be week 26, uh, round 26 uh, next uh, weekend. My picks, um, I've got to tell you, I'm really glad. Um, I think for the fourth time in the last five episodes, I have uh, been correct on three of my four picks. Last week, I take a lot of pride saying this. I got some slack. Uh, I'm an idiot. Uh, how in the, you know, why would you think that sporting couldn't go to Meritimu? Uh, Porto always, you know, you always say that uh, these teams like a Gil Vicente or a Braga could go to uh, Porto and take away points. And I'm not always right, but I've been right lately. And I was right last week about two of the big three. I wasn't right about just one. I was right about two, and I predicted the draw, which uh, sometimes can be the most difficult thing to uh, pick. And um, so last week, I predicted Benfica would beat Guimarães. They did. Benfica really looked good last week. I predicted Meritimu Sporting would draw. Sporting's had a lot of issues in the Madeira. They did draw. I predicted Porto Gil Vicente. I said last week I was taking a chance that my heart said that I think, you know, Sporting and Porto would win. Well, that didn't happen. Uh, but I predicted a draw in that game. And Gil Vicente, uh, and by the way, Gil Vicente was down a man immediately in like the second minute. And they still managed to hold on. And that's not a situation that you, you don't walk away from the Dragon when you're down a man after the second minute. I mean, that is very, very, very rare. I didn't see any statistics of when's the last time a team went down that early and actually walked away with a draw, which probably means that hasn't happened. Um, but uh, that was... Uh, so I got that one right. And then the only one I got wrong was in the second division. Uh, I predicted uh, Fadens from Faru against uh, Vila Frequence. Vila Frequence has put together some decent results, but uh, no go. Uh, Ferenc uh, recorded uh, the win. Uh, Ferenc playing a little bit uh, better um, that I've seen. And uh, by the way, I, I think I just skipped over the second division. I'll go to that in a, a minute. But uh, as far as my picks go for this uh, weekend, 
Uh, I'm predicting Sporting will beat Arroca. Um, that's going to be, I think, a pretty convincing one. I'm predicting uh, Benfica will go to Portimonense and they will beat Portimonense. Paulo Sergio has kind of lost the magic. Benfica's just playing a lot better. Uh, I'm predicting that Santa Clara will beat Vizela 1-0. So I'm predicting Santa Clara to win. And then in the second division, the best match in the second division, which I'll talk about in a minute, is Penafial against Shabs. And I'm predicting that Shabs uh, will Shabs has just been so good lately. I'm predicting that they'll beat uh, Benefial, and I'm going to say three to one. So I'm predicting Sporting to win, Benfica to win, Santa Clara to win, and I'm predicting in the second division Shabs. I want to stay with the hot hand. I am up to closing in on 60 percent. I have been correct 58 times. I've lost uh, 40. But it's basically what I've done in the last five weeks. That's been pretty good because the previous five weeks to that, I was awful. Uh, I'm not going to reach my goal of 75%. But you know what? If I could stay in the 60s, that, that's pretty good. That's pretty good for uh, you know having some what I call fun picks. Um, so those are my uh, predictions uh, for this upcoming uh, weekend. Uh, second division uh, report, uh, boy, I think to me, um, if you were going to ask me, well, like I said, the, the best match this weekend is, without a doubt, Benefial uh, against uh, Shavs. Uh, obviously, second, first division being led by Casapia with 49 points. Uh, you've got Benfica B in second with 47. Rio Ave trying to get back to the first division with 45. You've got Shavs with 44. Fadens from the Feda also with uh, 44. And then you've got Nacional in sixth place with 37 points. Les Choynes and Mafra, they are each with uh, 33 points. I don't think they're going to have any opportunity to catch the... Uh, I think it's too late for them to have a shot at getting into the uh, top five. But to me, Casapia... Uh, well, let me just sit, put it this way. Again, Benfica B is eligible for the second division title, and you've got Casapia, Benfica B, Rio Avshabs, and uh, Ferenza Nacional all battling um, for... The title, when you take away Benfica B, you've got five teams battling for three places. The top two get promoted. The third place goes into the uh, playoff with the 16th place team in the first division. And again, the second division had just been uh, really, really good. Um, Benefiel Shavs, that's uh, that's going to be your uh, match on uh, Sunday. Um, we also have, uh, well, it, they start Saturday. And it runs through Tuesday. They do this a lot of times with the second division. I think they do it for TV. But uh, Tuesday, you've got Casapia Mafra. You've got on uh, Monday, Villa Frequence taking on Rio Ave. Uh, Benfica B plays on Sunday. They're home to Varzim, which is near the bottom. Um, and uh, one of the news uh, is, of course, Academica. They, uh, they of course, uh, well, if, when you look at the bottom teams, you got Academica with 14 points. you got Varzim with 16 and then you got uh, Covilla with uh, uh, basically in 16th place with 19. And the 15th place team has 26 points. So right now, if you're Academica, you are 12 points behind 15th place throw fence. And if you're Varzim, you're 10 points behind 15th place uh, throw fence. Um, so right now, the only hope for these teams is to try to finish in 16th place and then go into... Um, you know, to try to get into 16th place, which does do a playoff. The 16th place in the second division does do a playoff with, I believe it's the third division. I have to read up on it more. And that's your only goal of staying up. Academic, of course, their manager, 
Uh, they're going to be going on their fourth manager of the uh, season. Uh, Pedro Duarte has uh, stepped down. Um, he got a few draws for them, but they need the three points. And uh, a name you are all familiar with, Hugo Almeida. Of course, he played uh, for uh, Porto, but really made his name playing abroad. He is back in Portugal working as a manager, and he's part of the staff. And he's, uh, well, when I record this episode, he's basically overseeing their training. I don't know whether or not he'll be, in fact, the manager for the Academicas uh, match uh, this weekend when they play at FC Porto B, which is a bit of a homecoming uh, for him. Um, but Academica is uh, right now being led by Hugo Almeida, and Academica, when they do decide to appoint that interim manager, whether it's Hugo Almeida or somebody else, it will be their fourth match, match of the uh, manager of the season, and uh, they are quickly dropping into the, uh, and I'm sorry to say it because, you know, I, a big city, Coimbra, big university town, not to mention the fact that it's, uh, they've got a big stadium there, but it's, it's not really looking uh, very, very good so, uh, for them in that uh, division. Part two of the PortugueseSoccer.com podcast. This is my fast and furious section. Um, and a lot to talk about. First off, uh, great attendance this week at the Clásico in Alvalade with about uh, 47. Porto, I think, had something like 44, 45,000 for their match against uh, Gil Vicente. So between Alvalade and Porto this weekend, we saw some really big, what I would say are pre-pandemic crowds. Uh, the fact that you don't have to test to go see a match in Portugal is, is obviously making a big difference. Um, but as a result, we are now starting to see the fans back in the stadium. Uh, big money for these clubs when they're able to rely on tickets. I think some of these big clubs in Portugal, like Porto, Benfica Sporting, I think they, they have a ticket gate that's something like over a million dollars per home game or something like that. Um, so the fact that fans are back is just tremendous news economically after, you know, going something like, uh, what, 16th, 17th months without any fans. And then it came back and it was very limited. So I uh, really need to point out that I think fans are starting to make a comeback uh, to the stadium. And uh, we've seen some of these big matches, these Clásicos in the Taça de Portugal. We saw it again here. Obviously, we've seen the Liga Clásico, the Liga Derbies, where they're drawing big crowds. Um, some of the smaller clubs in Portugal aren't drawing very well. But the bottom line is, is I think more and more people now are starting to get comfortable. So we're starting to see more people uh, go to uh, back to stadiums in uh, Portugal. Um, continuing on Fast and Furious, uh, I was talking two weeks ago about how we want people to see our football, our soccer, and to be very proud of it and to want to watch it every week. And we didn't like what we saw a few weeks ago in Dragon, where BT Sport out of the United Kingdom, you know, they had the best tweet that actually showed the five minutes of chaos on the pitch in Dragon. And I was saying that that's not what you want to see. And then this weekend, we saw something really beautiful in Porto and in Luz, where there was a recognition for Ukraine. Uh, Yaramachuk comes into the game, gets a major standing ovation from the crowd. That video that Benfica put out, which was shared, you know, by a lot of, I saw it on Bleacher Report, I saw it on some major American websites. Um, obviously, we're talking about Yaramachuk, a Ukrainian player, and what he's going through, and he was very emotional. As I'm recording this podcast, that tweet video 
had over 7.7 million views. Great thing that Portugal does, regardless of the fact it was Benfica, it's just great for football, and that's what we want to see. We want to see people like our football. We want people to see good things in our football because when there's more interest in football, like I talked about with the centralization of TV rights, it makes the TV rights more valuable because you could sell it for more money, and when you could sell it for more money, that means the clubs are going to make more money, and if the clubs make more money, there's a chance to get better players. There's a chance to keep some of your younger players. So it's kind of a domino effect if you're able to finally get things. And it was just a beautiful thing. A lot of Portuguese clubs, big and small, all with the colors. Um, the uh, Well, for instance, the Taça de Portugal Clásico. Uh, Coach, the captain for sporting, actually, his um, captain's R band had yellow on it to symbolize uh, Ukraine. A lot of the uh, sporting players wore a black patch uh, promoting peace. So um, beautiful initiatives. Obviously, this is being done all over the world. But certainly that thing by Benfica traveled the world. And I think it shows just how much people are in unity with what's going on in the, the Ukraine. So a lot of credit to uh, Benfica uh, for putting uh, that uh, together. Uh, we're still waiting on, speaking of Ukraine, um, in the UEFA Europa League, uh, excuse me, UEFA Youth League. We know Benfica has advanced to the quarterfinals. They're waiting to see the winner or the outcome, I should say, of Sporting Dynamo Kiev. Um, as I record this episode, they have yet to make a decision. But I don't, I, you know, I, I don't even know. First off, Ukraine isn't allowing anybody, I think, over the age of 18. That's a guy, uh, a man leaving the country because they're all going to be conscripted into the army. So we might be seeing very soon a UEFA Youth League because Dynamo Kiev can't play. Uh, a derby in the UEFA Youth League. Uh, Portugal has obviously had a lot of success in that competition. But we could have a derby between uh, Sporting and uh, Benfica. They just did a basketball derby in European competition uh, between these two clubs. And now we might have one for the uh, UEFA Youth League. Um, so to be curious to see. But I, I think that's going to happen because I just don't see how they're going to be able to uh, play uh, this uh, match. Uh, hey, remember I said my who do you believe section? Um, PZ. Did a big interview with the record, and basically, uh, you know, he did an interview and he said they was asked about did he play a factor, the stories that, you know, he played a factor in why JJ had to leave uh, Benfica. He has uh, strictly denied it. As I'm recording this episode, the big part of the story hasn't come out yet. We've only been teased by it. But like I always say about Portuguese soccer, Portuguese football, who do you believe? Do you believe the reports that say that PZ? Um, basically played a factor in getting J.J. out. Remember, PZ did not play or was as successful under J.J. the way he was, especially under Vitoria, and he was a little bit successful under Lage, um, but he was really successful under Rui Vitoria, but he did not have that same success. So whether or not it's media created, we don't know, but he had a lot to say, and the question is, is who do you believe? Do you believe the press? Do you believe PZ? Uh, I know a lot of Benfica fans that uh, believe he played a factor in getting J.J. out. I know other managed, uh, people that say no, that uh, you know he played no factor. So when you have something as popular as uh, soccer football, you're never going to get two people on the sides. But that's my week, this week's, who do you believe? Do you believe PZ or do you believe the media? And uh, he has strictly denied this, so I thought that was uh, pretty interesting. Um, well, folks, we are... Under three weeks away from the World Cup playoff against uh, Turkey, 
Uh, big, big time playoff. Uh, Fernando Santos probably in sometime in the next 10 days will announce his squad. Everybody's going to get all excited when they see the names, especially those that don't follow the Portuguese league and just the national team. And Oh, look at that roster. Look at all those players. Wow, it's like a fantasy team. Well, it, it really is like a fantasy team. And us Portuguese will look at it and we'll be all sort of excited, but then we'll see Fernando Santos doing the press conference and we'll know that he's the manager and then a lot of people will start to get angry and that's only going to make them nervous. But we are under three weeks away. PortugueseSoccer.com Twitter doing an update, a countdown every night. Um, and there's plenty to talk about that as we get closer. But um, getting a little bit nervous. Um, I don't care if, you know, a lot of people would say that, uh, that uh, Portugal is the overwhelming favorite against uh, Turkey and on paper that is definitely the case. But uh, we still have to play and we still have to win. And uh, it didn't end so pretty. And, you know, so, uh, but we saw Diego Jota's back. He was in the uh, most recent starting lineup for Liverpool. We've seen some good scoring this week from Andre Silva and Goncalo Guedes. Uh, we've seen guys like Nuno Mans and Danilo doing pretty good for uh, PSG. Uh, Bruno Fernandes, Cristiano Ronaldo. I, I never worry about Cristiano Ronaldo, but he'll be fine. And uh, a lot of questions being asked. Should it be Patricio? as goalkeeper, or should it be Jose Sa, who's doing a heck of a job with the Wolves? You remember when Sa was with Porto and he had that bad Champions League performance, um, he was kind of discarded and then he went to Greece and he rebuilt his career and now he's playing in the uh, Premier League. So a lot of questions. Uh, do you think it should be Patricio as goalkeeper? Or should it be, you know, a little bit younger blood, somebody a little bit more um, hungrier for the moment? Should it be Jose Sa? So uh, feel free to hit me up on that. On uh, what do you think? Should it be Patricio or Jose Sa? But a lot of people I know would like to see the goalkeeper from uh, Wolves uh, get the uh, start. Uh, Major League Soccer, uh, not Portuguese news, but I'm going to mention it anyway. But Hector Herrera, former Porto player, uh, he's going to be playing for the Houston Dynamo. MLS is back. Uh, Don Garber, the commissioner this week, uh, was kind of a, you know, he doesn't like it when people call it a retirement league. Herrera's a great player, but he's not the same player that he was when he was at Porto. So MLS does a great job of bringing in these names, and there's a lot of Mexican fans in Texas, especially Houston, that would be good for bringing in a player like Herrera. But I don't know. Can he be very successful? I don't know. We'll, we'll have to uh, you know wait and see. Uh, congratulations to Benfica recently celebrating their 118th anniversary. I think that's a uh, very, very big deal. And let me wrap up this episode like I always do, folks. And that is talking about my favorite club. I would hope it would be your favorite club. And that is, of course, Atletico dos Arcos. Uh, they are going to be playing uh, this weekend. And, uh, well, first off, they are in a first-place tie in their uh, promotion division in the districts of the Viano do Castelo, tied with Valenciano at 21 points. And basically, uh, they're playing this weekend. I'll don't forget, they have played one less match than Valenciano. So even though they're both tied at 21, uh, Atletico dos Arcos has played one less match. And uh, so Arcos is in a great position if they continue to pick up the three points week after week to be playing for promotion. But they're going to be playing this week at Ankara Praia. And uh, again, like I was saying about sporting before, if you uh, want to get better, you want to play a team that's struggling. Ankara sitting in sixth place with 11 points. Uh, so Atletico do Jarcos will be making the uh, trip there. I think that's like a 40-minute drive out there on their little uh, mini bus. And that's going to be a pretty good match. So Ankara Praia will be hosting Atletico do Jarcos. 
Again, my boys, Atletico de Arcos, let's keep on winning. Um, that's going to be a big match, uh, and that'll be on Sunday. And again, that'll be away at Ancora Praia. Folks, I'm going to wrap it up here. Uh, hope you that you are all doing well. Uh, hopefully the weather's getting a little bit better in your part of the world, a little bit warmer. Uh, I get asked a lot of questions about people going to Portugal after I talked about tickets in my last episode. Uh, I know people that are already buying their tickets this summer. It looks like we may have the type of summer we haven't been able to have the last two two years. And uh, you know, I know some people that have already bought tickets. I'm waiting a little bit longer before I buy my tickets to Portugal this summer. But uh, just the fact that I could actually think about doing that this early is just very exciting to me. And again, I'm always going to give you my honest feelings, and I'm pretty excited about that. Folks, that wraps up episode 108. Uh, hope you're all doing well. Spotify, iTunes, Google Podcasts, Anchor FM, TuneIn, Podcast Breaker. It's all over the place. Thank you for your hits. Uh, tremendous. Uh, just really appreciate it all. And I appreciate that you let me spend 40 to 45 minutes of your time every week to listen to what I have to say. And I um, and hope you would enjoy it. Talk to you uh, very soon, everybody. Ciao.